Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Just so much power in there, and it has the potential to make it feel absolute ecstasy, but then it also has the ability to kind of creep into and give voice to the darker and shameful corners of our psyche. Not to mention, sex comes in so many various forms, and I thought it's just like a limitless subject to play with. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Nasty Woman Club, The Sex Edition. I'm your host, Demi Lynch. We're more than halfway through the Sex Edition miniseries, and so far we've explored a lot of topics about sex and the sex work industry. We've spoken with women that have worked in kink clubs and strip clubs, and spoken to women that worked as burlesque dancers, strippers, pro-doms, and cam girls. But on this episode, I wanted to look at people that don't necessarily work in the sex work industry, but their work is highly revolved around sex. Meet Aussie artist Kim Manning. She paints watercolour artwork for people all over the world. But this isn't your average watercolour art. She creates beautiful erotic sex scenes that is nothing like you've ever seen before. I've adored her work for several years now, and I thought she would be the perfect person to speak to for this topic. We spoke about where she gets her inspiration from for her sex scenes, what kind of clients she gets that order her work, and how Instagram's censorship rules affect her business. But before we get into any of that, I thought I would speak to Kim firstly about COVID-19, because earlier this year she was in America right when the virus just started to spread and countries began implementing social distancing restrictions. This is Kim Manning. So firstly, what I wanted to get into, of course, is the elephant in the room, the coronavirus. So you were over in the States recently. What was it like being over there when pretty much when the chaos was just starting? So my partner moved to New York in early February. So I wanted to go over there as soon as I could to see him. So I ended up heading over there early March for a few weeks. Uh, And it was kind of like the beginning of the coronavirus craziness. And it was sort of like a lot of people were still of the opinion that it was like a bit of hysteria and it wasn't too intense for the first week that I was there. So I was able to kind of like go out to galleries and museums and gigs and do all that touristy stuff. It was my first time in New York. But then by the second week I was there, it was declared a global pandemic. So it was pretty crazy. Like it was a really polarizing experience, like going from kind of like the excitement of being in Hollywood and all these fun new things, and then it was just so rapidly eclipsed by this like global anxiety and paranoia. And it was really scary to be in New York because it was kind of becoming the, the riskiest area in the, in the entire world for contracting the virus. And like, not to mention the American healthcare system is terrifying so (laughs) if you don't have private health insurance you're fucked and you just yeah you just don't want to get sick over there so we have it pretty good here i must say 
like coming back home, I was relieved immediately. But yeah, like some people, I don't know, I'd say that by the time shit hit the fan, people in New York City were taking it seriously. Like there was nothing happening on the street, the galleries were closing down, all the sports games were like cancelled, shows were cancelled, you couldn't go to the pubs or anything like that. Um, it was just unfortunately, like action was just delayed for too long and so now it's just such a mess over there. But, like, on the other end of the spectrum, so towards the end of my trip, I decided to get out of the city. But it was really scary, like, it was, being in the city. So I went to this place called Kingston, which was really lovely and, like, charming and small. And I caught the train there, and then I had to get an Uber from the train station to my Airbnb. And the Uber driver was <laughs> just a bit backwards, and she was banging on about how everyone was overreacting and that everyone everything's going to be fine. And she told me that, you know, she definitely wouldn't be getting a vaccination against coronavirus even if once created because she didn't want foreign poisons entering her body. And then she asked me, would I get one? And I said, yes, obviously. And then she went on to explain she didn't even understand how vaccinations work. I was just kind of wow. like, uh, how can you have such a strong anti-vax stance when you don't even know how they work? <laughs> so, but yeah, so it was pretty crazy kind of like having these two very contrasting opinions going on around me. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, that would have been, wow, that's... You forget that there are people like that but do exist and have strong opinions like that, don't you? Yeah, when you're in your own little bubble of like-minded people. So all travellers that have been overseas are required to be in self-quarantine for two weeks. So you're back in Australia now and you had to go into self-quarantine. What was that like just being at home and did that affect your holiday? Like did you have to shorten it and like come back home straight away? No, I was actually pretty lucky. So the date that I initially booked didn't have to be changed. Um... And my my, flight, my initial connecting flight was, uh, sorry, my flight from JFK to LAX was cancelled, but I was able to get on another one. But being, yeah, getting home was really strange because, I mean, you know, on top of all of the coronavirus stuff, I'd also just left my partner in New York and I didn't know when I was going to see him again or if, I, or if he was going to be safe. Um, and then I had to spend pretty much two weeks in my bedroom, like with no friends or family to commiserate with or anything. And I had to wear a mask whenever I was in the communal areas of the house. So I had to eat every meal in my bedroom and I had like a separate dinner plate, cutlery, glasses, all that. It wasn't great, but a lot of people that I know were kind of going through the same thing. So I had a, a friend who also came back to Australia from New York at the same time as me. And we contacted each other a lot, just checking in and everything. And my parents and my friends were amazing and dropped off groceries and stuff like that. And to kind of keep sane, I started an exercise regime that I did in my bedroom every day because I knew that not being able to walk my dog was going to drive me crazy. I read a lot and watched Tiger King, of course, <laughs> all the way through <laughs> twice. So, yeah, it was weird, but I think everybody was also just in this foreign sort of, well, it's uncharted territory. Like, everybody was kind of going through this strange thing together. So it was strange, but I didn't feel alone. 
And you work for yourself. How has the pandemic affected your business? Because I can imagine when you're in quarantine and you're stuck in your bedroom for two weeks straight and you can't get out, the last thing you want to do is focus on work or anything like that. How did it affect your business when you're in quarantine and how is it affecting it now since you're in lockdown? Yeah, it's actually really strange because since I've been back, I definitely haven't. Everybody keeps saying, oh, you must be fine, you know, like you're a painter. You must be like painting up a storm in this time. And I'm like, no, not at all. Like, I haven't been creatively motivated since I've been home from New York. I haven't done any painting or anything like that. But, I mean, I've been focusing on the admin side of my business. So I've been trying to get my website organized, which I've been working on for like six years. So all that kind of boring computer stuff. And then... In terms of selling, I mean, I'm making less money. Like, people, obviously, a lot of people are losing their jobs or they don't know if they're going to be able to keep their jobs, so they're holding on to their money, and art is seen as a luxury item, so not a lot of people are going to spend money on art right now. But then there's also the people that have job security that want to support me, and there's also people who, now that they're working from home, they want to beautify their space, and they want to put art up because they're home all day and want to kind of like have nice things surrounding them but it's, it's weird like it's different I'm not making I'm not making as many sales as usual but I haven't been too badly affected yet and I'm lucky that the print labs that I work with they're still operating at the moment they haven't closed down yet hey it's Danny Pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. So you draw and create artworks that are of erotic sex scenes, in particular people having sex, making out mm-hmm. in with these beautiful, beautiful watercolours. What led you to focus your artwork on erotic sex scenes? It's a really, really complex question to answer because the reasons have like altered a few times over the years. I would say my initial interest in painting erotic scenes came about about 10 years ago. I've always loved drawing and painting everything. But I remember when I was at uni, I went to SCA in Sydney. I remember one of my mentors kind of like bringing it to my attention that, you know, if you're only going to paint purely because they're aesthetically pleasing, then they risk uh, decoration and they'll kind of inevitably be booked over and underappreciated. And I remember sort of thinking, yeah, all right, I'm going to challenge myself and create something that's going to elicit more emotion from my viewers and I sat with the thought for like a few days and I kept kind of coming back to the idea of sex and there's just so much power in sex and it has the potential to make us feel absolute ecstasy but then it also has the ability to kind of creep into and give voice to the darker and shameful corners of our psyche not to mention sex comes in so many various forms and I thought it's just like a limitless subject to play with and the idea really excited me. And I also love studying human anatomy and painting bodily forms. And I love painting movement. So it was kind of like a natural artistic progression to 
start painting people fucking. Am I allowed to swear? Sorry. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. You can swear. Yeah. And so I remember the first, like I started sketching some images from the back of a porno DVD. This is back in the day. Um, And I brought the drawing into uni and I just really liked the contrasting sort of reactions to my work. Some people really loved it. Some people were super uncomfortable. And I just, I really enjoyed the contrast and feedback. And I haven't gotten bored of it yet. So I'm still going. Yes, well, I'm very, very glad that that's the kind of artwork you've turned to because it's just such beautiful, beautiful, magnificent work that you do. It's just, oh, I love them so much. As as you know, I've been a fan for a while. <laughs> so who are the type of people that normally purchase your art? And when they do purchase it, do they normally say, what's the reason why they were so attracted to a particular type of scene? So many different types of people purchase their art, like, Honestly, just so many. It's insane. And that's something I get asked a lot, actually. I think a lot of people are kind of like, you can actually put this up in their in their space. I get commissions to paint people as a gift for their partner. I get commissions from people to paint themselves for themselves, kind of like an act of self-love or acceptance. You know, I've had a lot of people with body image issues ask me to paint them, and I think that having the work up in their house reminds them, like, I'm beautiful and for you to share um, that painting when you do it. That would be so interesting. Yeah, I kind of sort of left the ball in my court too. He's just like anything jail themed, uh, a heterosexual theme. So yeah, I'm kind of like, oh, what do I do? Maybe someone having sex through the the jail cell or something, like the the bars, the jail bars. (laughs) So that'll be a fun one to play with. Yeah, that's when you can really let your imagination go wild, that's for sure. So with scenes like that, obviously you can't, like I can imagine with some scenes you can just, you know, use past experience or you can, as you said, you get given pictures from people themselves. Where do you get inspiration from with your erotic scenes? Do you go to certain porn websites and you have like certain porn stars or scenes that you always go to? I don't really go through any particular process. So, for example, with this recent commission, the jail theme, I'm probably just going to sort of Google erotic images or maybe look through some pornography and kind of, I, I tend to just kind of filter through images that I find appealing, shapes that I enjoy, light, contrast, things like that. And then I find that the other details kind of come into it as I'm working on the piece. So, no, I don't have a particular process or that I visit, it usually just starts with a Google Google image search and then I start to kind of maybe like combine a few ideas together and 
Yeah, I mean, unless somebody commissions me and actually sends me a photo of themselves, that's my process. Mm-hmm. So with your art, the main way that you promote yourself and share your work, and I assume also get a lot of customers, is through your Instagram page. But you've had that shut down several times due to quote-unquote explicit images. Why does yeah. this happen and how does this impact your business? Yeah, like I've had it, I've had my account shut down a few times. I think the most recent time, it hasn't happened for a while, but the most recent time was a few years ago. And the only reason I was given was I tried to log in one day and I, I just said my account was disabled and I violated community guidelines under the guideline that was outlined with nudity or something like that. And um, it was really tough because my connection through Instagram have become my main source of income. I wrote to the team at Instagram and I explained my situation and my loss of income. I remember the last time it happened, I still had a part-time job at a pub, so I wasn't completely, you know, fucked for money, but I explained my loss of income, that it's art, you know, and I'd read the community guidelines. They stipulated that nudity is acceptable in photos of art or sculptures. And I never heard back from anyone at Instagram, but my account was reinstated. I guess they read it and fixed it up for me, but the communication there was really poor. So you said that with Instagram that you can have nudity if it's of like a painting or a sculpture. What are your thoughts then on their censorship rules in regards to just nudity in general and how that affects people that are in the sex sex industry and also people that work with, you know, sex-related topics and issues like you do with yourself? I mean, I'm friends with and I also follow a lot of people in the sex industry and it's really fucking frustrating when you see accounts getting shut down because someone is open about their work, as, you know, as being a sex worker or they're transparent about their work on social media. I understand that not everything can be shown on platforms like Instagram, but when someone's livelihood is at stake, I just don't think that hastily disabling accounts should be the solution. I think there should be a process of maybe they contact you, they give you a warning, they give you the opportunity to revise the content. Because my experience was I never got a warning. When my account was shut down, I never got a warning. It was just one day I couldn't log in and it was gone. And I can't even imagine what that would be like for sex workers. I remember the panic that I felt when my account was gone because I so heavily relied on those connections. I think that Instagram needs to kind of work on that, on that communication. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Nasty Woman Club, the sex edition. Thank you to my incredible interviewee, Kim Manning, for coming on to this week's episode. For more information on Kim and her incredible artwork, make sure you check her out on Instagram at underscore artofkim underscore. For more stories on intersectional feminism and women empowerment, make sure you head on over to The Nasty Woman Club on Instagram and Facebook and also at thenastywomanclub.com. I'm your host, Demi Lynch, and I will see you all next week for another episode of The Nasty Woman Club, the sex edition.